Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Wednesday, May the 17th, 2023. It is currently 2.06 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, I don't know what words I would use to describe this week. I would use words like probably, I mean, I guess if I was to try, I would probably use words like horrible, horrific, heartbreaking, depressing, discouraging, exhausting. I, I, I mean, I, don't, I probably, there would be so many negative words. I, I guess probably I do have the words to describe it, but none of them would be pleasant. I'm sitting here in my studio, studio on a Wednesday. And if you would have asked me, you know, two weeks ago, three, three weeks ago, how, how, how was the week of, you know, on Wednesday, May the 17th, where do you think you, uh, think, what things do you think you would have accomplished that far by that point in the week? What do you think you would be doing? And it would have been a completely different picture, a completely different idea. And then everything changed. And it has been very difficult to try to get back on track in any way, shape, or form. Just uh, not only how I'm, I'm exhausted, my I'm having, I mean, just I could go on and, you know, make a list of, you know, it would sound like I'm just whining. So I'm not going to do that. But all I can say, all I can say is here I sit on Wednesday, May the 17th, and things have not gone according to plan. But, 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 but what I am attempting to do is because, because things did not go according to plan, take what did happen, no matter how tragic and horrible it has been and try to use it for something beneficial and good moving forward. I can't change the past. I can't make that any better. But if I can somehow take all of this and use it in a positive way that could possibly help people moving forward, I think that that would be a good thing. I don't I don't believe I've been very successful in doing that yet, but I'm definitely trying my best with the with, with just yeah. Just, I mean, there's so much I can say. I'm trying to be very careful about what I say and don't say, but uh, because I just, again, I don't want to turn it into just, oh, woe is me. Feel, no, I, I don't want that to happen, but um, I'm, I'm trying my very best. So let me, I, I have to briefly at least remind you because we always have new people t- uh, tuning in. Everyone knows that Monday at 2 p.m. Central Time, I was sitting inside a church and I had to deliver a message at a funeral. Funeral was the result of a very tragic situation um, involving mental health. It was just a horrible, horrible situation. And I had to stand before people and try to talk about mental health and and Christ. That's kind of what I was asked to do. And I, I spoke about some issues that I have, that I felt that I have experienced and seen within the world of Christianity when it comes to tragedy, suffering, and mental health. That Christianity really constantly over and over and over does three things horribly wrong. Number one, we take a verse, rip it out of context, throw it at the people suffering, throw it it at the tragedy. 
which is just so dismissive of the actual depth of the pain and it doesn't really fix anything. In fact, it may lead to more guilt from the people that are receiving the verses ripped out of context because they think, oh, it's a Bible verse. I'm, I'm supposed to feel better and, and all of my problems are supposed to go away and we know it doesn't work that way. Number two is the constant selling of Jesus as if he is the cure-all for every single problem. And we talked about that today on the Today's Focus podcast series. So you can go listen to that. And then the third thing is we've placed a stigma upon mental health because, well, if Jesus is the cure-all, cure-all, then of course there's going to be a stigma on mental health because if you're having mental health issues, it's going to be treated as something is wrong with you. You're something wrong with your faith. You're probably not even saved. Like they're just going to heap guilt upon you. And so we talked about those things. And then I decided to talk to do a kind of a mini series, kind of an impromptu mini series so that I can continue to, to talk about this and challenge Christians when it comes to mental health, that we were going to look at 10 things connected to mental health, 10 things that according to at least one article, these are 10 things Christians should do to improve their mental health. And immediately we started having some very important conversations, at least in part one of this now new series that we are involved in. I, I really didn't envision a new series, but hey, if we can do a little mini series on mental health issues, maybe we can help people and maybe we can, you know, develop it and, and maybe, you know, do more in the future. But as of right now, while everything is still raw, the emotions are still raw, I'm still trying to recover from everything. Um, I just thought it would be a much more, Instead of coming across like well-produced, it was coming across much more like, hey, these are things I'm dealing with in light of a real tragedy where, where, you know, I had to speak at a funeral. Let's try to work through this together. You know, I love doing that. I'll, I try to invite you to be a part of it, not just sit back and passively listen. So I, I raised some serious questions about mental health, Christianity, um, and how we are to understand it. And I, I raised and I, I tried to ask you some questions about how does mental health impact one's spirituality? How does one's spirituality impact one's mental health? We offered up a definition of mental health. I read many. Basically putting mental health includes emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act and determines how we handle stress, relate to others, and make choices. Mental health impacts every single aspect of our life. Therefore, it will impact us spiritually as Christians. So we, we, we talked about that, and therefore mental health is an important issue to every single Christian, and, and not only because of the possible devastating consequences mental illness can lead to, like poor mental health leading to mental illness can lead to devastating consequences, but it just has a profound impact on our life every single day in some way, shape, or form. So we try to talk about these two things. As a Christian, your mental health should be important to you for everyone, but as a Christian, because of how it can and will impact your Christian life. But I called into question the way most Christians approach it. So let me explain this. Mental health, mental illness is a, mental uh, illness is a disease. Mental health is a health issue. All right. So the way Christians tend to approach mental illness and mental health issues is that we treat it as 
or, or this is the way we think about it. The way to fix it, the way to treat it, the way to make it all better is, well, your spiritual life, your spiritual health. So the way Christians think, the, if you have great spiritual health, you read your Bible, you pray, you go to church, you do all of these spiritual things that magically, and I know they wouldn't use the word magically, supernaturally, or just Maybe it's almost treated like it's just what will happen. It will fix all of your mental health issues and your mental illness. But the problem with it, it is completely out of touch with reality. Your spiritual health doesn't make your cancer go away. Your spiritual health doesn't fix your broken arm. Your spiritual health doesn't make your diabetes go away. Your spirit, like, and I can just go on and on and on and on. So why would we think spiritual health just magically makes all of your mental health issues go away? Now, there may be some overlap and there may be some benefit, and I'm not denying that. But I also think Christianity sometimes can be detrimental because of the way we approach mental health. Because if you approach mental health or mental illness, hey, you're having these issues. You need to read your Bible more, pray more, go to church more. Do And it's just now we just give them law, 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 law. That's only going to bring them under greater condemnation. And that greater condemnation make them make them more discouraged and more depressed and can be absolutely catastrophic. So I put forth a hypothesis that, yes, as every Christian, you should be concerned about your spiritual health and you should be doing all the things that you can to be as spiritually healthy as you can be. Every Christian should be helped to do that, mentored to do that, challenged to do that, and given all the resources to be spiritually healthy. I think everyone can agree on that. But I think when it comes to mental health, listen, how we address it, we should separate it. Don't you don't tell the person to stop pursuing spiritual health, but when it comes to mental health, you don't connect the two because if you do so, you can heap unnecessary guilt upon the person struggling. So what you say is, here's your mental health issues. What can we do to treat it as a health issue? What are the experts saying? What are options? Now, if the spiritual health some sometimes somehow helps it, that's okay. But you're not drawing such a correlation so that the person doesn't feel spiritually defeated, mentally defeated, and discouraged because, well, you know, your spiritual things aren't immediately fixing it. I think we need to separate it that way. Now, not a lot of people agreed with my assessment. Not a lot of people agreed, and that's fine. Nobody ever does agree with my assessment of these things. But just remember, I have to sometimes remind people in email, I'm putting forth a hypothesis, a thesis, a theory for us to really, really think about it. So I want to continue that discussion. I want to continue to move this forward. I know I'm spending a lot of time in kind of reviewing it, just trying to restate it, but I just want people to understand what I'm trying to do. And we're, and we're doing this not only in context of the funeral, but on the day of the funeral, I think it was crosswalk.com published an article about basically 10 things you can do to improve your mental health. And I wanted to be like, well, I wonder how a Christian website is going to approach issues of mental health. And they did exactly what I think Christians always tend to do. They so conflate and, and to me demonstrate they don't really understand mental health. They see it. They, 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 it's almost like 10 ways a Christian can help themselves with cancer, right? And start by, you know, basically, was saying things like basically go to church, you know, well, that's no, that's, that's not, you could say go to church may help you with the emotional toil that 
cancer could bring upon a person. See, that's stating it one way, but we always approach mental health as if somehow, no, it will fix the actual mental health issue. And I, and I just have major problems with that. I'm going to take a drink of water really quick. I apologize. But let's get back to the article and let's see how far we can take it. So here's what they did. 10 ways Christians can improve their mental health. 10. We covered, I think, three. I think we covered three. Here was the first one. You ready? The first one was, uh, we, we remember this one, was pray. The way to improve your mental health is to pray. Now, immediately, that's like saying you have cancer and the best way to improve your cancer is pray. The best way to improve your physical health is to pray. No, the first thing you need to do with your physical health is listen to physical health experts and figure out what's best you need to do. Do you need to do this? Do you change of diet, walking, running, whatever, you know, a certain level, 20 minutes of exercise, three times a week, whatever the current standards are. Maintain your weight, all of these things. Well, mental health, Christians immediately look at it like, Pray, pray, pray. That's going to, to, to somehow resolve it. And, and I talked about some of the deep philosophical issues that any reasonable thinking Christian should have about it. I don't think so, for some Christians, they don't see the problem, right? Someone is suffering and they're like, well, pray and it will make it better. Pray and it will fix it. And I talked about some of those issues because wait a minute, I'm going to pray to the very God who hasn't, who didn't stop this from happening to me, who hasn't removed this. So I'm going to go to the God who obviously has a reason for this happening to be the one to solve the problem in and of itself. There's some major issues that arises there. And so we talked about that. I'm not going to go back through everything we talked about prayer, but it, I mean, wow. Yeah, there's a lot we could say. All right. I wanted to kind of, I was, I wanted to kind of repeat it, but I won't for now. I won't for now. If we need to circle back, we will. All right. So pray was number one. Number two was journaling. Get a journal and write it down. I got no problem. So for mental health and mental health and mental illness, having a journal, you have to process your thoughts to put it on paper. And then you go through not only the journal itself, you almost, become, you know, if you're using a journal every single day, well, it's a physical, tangible object that you touch, you feel, you almost get a connection with it, right? You're writing in it. You may you may kind of make it your own with how you mark it up and what you do with it. You have to process your thoughts and emotions to write it down. There's clearly benefits there. So I got no problem with that one, right? I got no problem with that because now mental health, mental illness, you're dealing with the mind. Now you're getting, you're trying to force the mind in a sense, to to think and analyze itself and then articulate what you're thinking and feeling on paper in the most brutal and honest way possible. All right, so I'm, I'm all good with that one. Number three, lean on your community. Now, I was very, very negative on this one, right? Because basically it's saying, hey, as a Christian, look to the church. Look to the church. And I raised a very serious objection is the church really helpful to people's mental health or mental illness? Does the church really contribute to mental health or does the church actually hinder mental health? And I just went through my experiences and in every single church I think I've ever been in. Well, if every, every church I've been in, other than maybe say the Lutheran church, which I wasn't a part of that for a super long time. 
Um, so I didn't have enough time maybe for, for to see what happened. But in all the other churches, I would argue that they were detrimental to my mental health. That at some point, that for whatever good, when the when everything blew up and went bad in every single situation, it was devastating to my mental health, absolutely detrimental to my mental health. I would say that for mental health, I don't know if the ch- leaning on your community, quote unquote, your church, is where you find your mental health. I, I I know this sounds bad, but I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So I'm looking, I'm I'm walking up, I'm walking down the street. I'm like, mental health, mental illness. All right. All right. Where? Okay. And I'm looking at two buildings, right? One, one is um, a church, right? Looks great. Great building programs, right? Maybe everybody looks nice. Maybe they got a good brochure with people smiling as they read the Bible and everything looks wonderful. And next door to it is a a counseling, uh, a, a a counseling uh, we'll call, just call it a a a, a certified uh, group of counselors, right? A, a counseling practice. We, we, we would like to call it that. They have multiple counselors, multiple people with multiple uh, areas of expertise when it comes to uh, mental health and mental illness, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a group of counselors. Now, which one would I lean on? I'm telling you, I, I hate to say this. I'm, I'm bypassing the church. I'm going out right into the mental health experts and to the counselors. Now, I know to say that is probably sacrilegious to some of you, but I've just seen the church and the way it handles it. It's almost, it's almost detrimental. I've talked about my own life. Now, I think my Christianity has always provided a lot of help. By no means would I ever throw out Christianity. I'm saying the church, the institution. Taking a drink of water. All right. We'll just leave it there. I want to talk more about it, but okay. Now today we come to number four. Now this one is interesting. Number four. Eat well. All right. Now this, I wasn't necessarily expecting this. I wasn't expecting this. This is what they have to say. This is what they have to say. Now they, they quote script. Now some, now the only problem I do have with some of these is saying some of these, like the journaling, they, they tried to quote a scripture to prove journaling and it was an absolute, it was like ripped something completely out of context. I wasn't a fan of that. So for eat well, I'm interested to see what scripture they're going to have. And they give us Proverbs 23, Proverbs 23. They have it here. I just want to turn here to in my Bible. Proverbs chapter 23, Proverbs chapter 23, and they have these scriptures, All right? Proverbs 23, verses 20 to 21. Be not among wine bibbers, among riot, riot, riotous eaters of flesh. 
For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty and, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. That's Proverbs 23, 20 through 21. They cite it this way. I don't know which translation they're using. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat for drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them, clothes them in rags. Now, I don't know. I don't think that scripture has anything to do with where they're going. I, at least I personally, I don't, but I do agree uh, you could talk about the dangers of wine and the dangers of gluttony. So I guess you could use it from that perspective, but let's see what they have to say here. This may sound strange, but what you eat can have a profound impact on how you think. The Bible has plenty of warnings against gluttony and its words are practical advice for anyone wrestling with their mental health. When we overindulge in sugary drinks or deep fried, uh, deep, I'm assuming deep fried foods, they have it deep friend foods, but I'm, I'm assuming they mean deep fried foods, we're more likely to become overweight, incur physical problems like diabetes and heart disease, and see a drop in our overall self-esteem. Tempting as it may be to soothe our troubles with comfort food, Christians must learn to practice self-control. Instead of snacking on candy, why not try a bowl of fresh fruit? Incorporate leafy green vegetables into your diet and cook a, cook up a nice piece of fish for dinner rather than greasy burger. It may not seem as appetizing now, but you'll be amazed at how much better you feel in the long run. Now, I, what I figured they would do, since they quoted Proverbs 23, verses 20 through 21, and they're talking about mental health issues, why wouldn't you focus on alcohol? Right? Why would, I mean, to me, why wouldn't you mention alcohol there, right? I mean, that just seems kind of odd uh, that they, <laughs> they, they left out alcohol here because uh, I'm going to see something. I'm going to verify something. I'm going to look at here. Okay, yeah, here we go. All right, I wanted I wanted to verify this, all right? Uh, uh, alcohol is classified as a central nervous system depressant, meaning that it slows down brain functioning and neural activity. Alcohol is a depressant. It alters the delicate balance of chemicals in your brain. Drinking heavily and regularly is associated with depression. So if you're going to quote Proverbs 23, it's just amazing. They, just, they don't even mention alcohol. They just focus on the eating. They focus on overeating. They focus on the gluttony part, not the alcohol part. So I, I think I think it would be, for anyone's sake, for mental health issues, avoid alcohol. Like that to me to be, would be just like, that's a simple one. That's just an easy one, right? Like if we're really going to look at it, not only does that benefit your spiritual life, right? Clearly it's going to benefit your spiritual life because alcohol impairs your ability to think rationally. And you never know if it's going to lead to addiction alcoholism. So avoiding alcohol seems to help you spiritually, seems to help you practically, seems to help you mentally. It just seems like a good thing to do is avoid it like the plague. So it's amazing. I, I just, I really thought that they would make, like they quote a verse about, about alcohol and then they just skip it. All right. So I think I, I, I would be dogmatic. If someone came to me with any mental health issues, struggles, it, I would be like, okay, first thing, do you drink? Yes. Let's get rid of alcohol. Like, let's just remove that like 
ASAP. Let's just not do that, okay? At least temporarily. We, we, we can look at long term, but for now, let's promise that you're not going to do any drinking of alcohol until we can get you in a better state mentally. I think that's just a, like, that, that's practi- practice 101, I would think, right? Now, number two. We, uh, I think we would have to consider the possible impact of eating on one's mental health. Now, you could say it this way. You would have to look, I would state it this way. You would have to look at the impact of your eating first and foremost on your physical health, right? Right. Because if it's leading to, you know, diabetes, obesity, if it's leading to any of those issues, whatever, whatever physical problems you are incurring because of the food you are eating or the amount that you're eating, clearly by making those change, you help yourself physically, which seems to also be connected to how then you may feel mentally. So I think that that's a good one. So, I mean, those are always easy things to do. Let's cut out the alcohol and let's see what we can do to possibly uh, change your diet. Not something major, but just little things we can do to possibly start making some small changes. Because not only that, you're giving someone some very specific things to do and then try try to help. Now, of course, obviously many mental, mental health issues that are associated with eating disorders and all kinds of other problems that go right there, self-esteem issues. And yeah, so you've got to approach it carefully and delicately. That's why you need professionals uh, to handle it. So I think eating well, number four, I, I got no problem with this one. I got no problem with that. But I would say you got to add alcohol to it. Cut out the alcohol. It's got to go. And then see what you can do with your diet. I would be, I would be more focused on small changes, not these massive changes, right? Where, where it could be, you know, practically could be very difficult to pull off, but smaller changes, little things, slowly, but surely. So, all right, that, that, I think we can all agree with that. I think I, I would hope so. I would hope so. I don't think that one's controversial. I don't think that one's controversial anyway. And I do like the fact that this they're looking at it from a much more practical way, much more something filled, I feel more connected with reality. All right. So what's number five? What's number five? Oh boy. Okay. So now they, they're looking at it much more as a health issue. And number four, they're looking at it as a health issue, right? And then number five, we're right back to not looking at it so much as a health issue, but looking at it more as a spiritual issue, which I I have trouble with this, but you should have guessed what number five is. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. They quote John 16, 33. John 16, 33. I'm going to look at it in this Bible, John 16, 33, which reads, if I can find it, these things I've spoken unto you that you may, that you might have peace in the world. You shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now we would have to go these things I've spoken exactly which things are Jesus referring to exactly who was he talking to how do they apply to us but these things I've spoken unto you that you might have peace in the world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer I have overcome the world. All right. Let's see how they're going to approach this one. Here we go. 
This one should be a no-brainer. These are their words. Scripture is filled with multiple encouraging passages for anyone going through a rough period. For starters, it helps to know several biblical figures also struggled with depression and anxiety. Job was miserable and cursed the day of his birth. A dejected Elijah actually went into the wilderness and begged God to kill him. Even Jesus knew how it felt to suffer mental anguish. If you're feeling depressed, just know you're in good company. Thankfully, the message doesn't stop there. The Bible teaches us that God will give us strength. Isaiah 40, 31. Now, again, who, who is that too? But all right. Provide, provide shelter. Nahum 1, 7. And walk with us through these dark times. Uh, Psalm 23, 4. His message is one of hope, grace, and ultimate joy. Whether this world may, whatever this world may throw at you, remember that Christ will see you through. Whatever the world will throw at you, Christ will see you through it. All right, there kind of goes back to almost, you know, uh, selling Jesus as the the cure-all, okay? But read your Bible. Now, I'm, I'm curious. People suffering from mental health or mental illness. Do you think, I mean, just, I'm just, now we're just getting practically, uh, practical, okay, right? Remember, uh, I'm just trying to be open and all, open and raw and honest with you here, right? I'm not trying to, uh, look, I I, I don't, I have no desire to play church or pretend to be, that. like so much of Christianity, I think it's just pretend that we talk, we talk a big game, but I'm just trying, I like to sometimes get down to reality. So I, I have a Bible here, right? I have a Bible here. It's a compact size Bible. I could carry this with me anywhere. So let's say I start talking to someone and they're having some serious mental health struggles, some serious mental health issues. And I pull out my Bible and say, here's what I need you to do. Go read this. Where do I start? I give them a a chapter, a book. Go read this. Go read this. Go read this. What do you think? Practically. What is the practical value of someone struggling with mental health reading the Bible? Now, I know to even pose that question is anathema. I know. I know. Even trying to just even approach this subject in a more meaningful, rational way. Because what we're supposed to say, look, we know the church answers. Read your Bible and your mental health will, will improve dramatically. Your mental illness will be cured because you're reading the word of God and it will fix you. That's what we're supposed to say. Now, a lot of times when I hear people talk about their struggles with mental health or this or that, and that they were reading the Bible and they feel better, sometimes I don't know what to say because they'll be quoting some scripture and I'll be like, that promise is not for you. That was for people coming out of Babylonian captivity. That were for the specific disciples in a historical setting. But if I say that, then I feel like, you know, yeah, like, you know, you don't want to say that to someone struggling with a mental health issue. You're just like, okay, well, you know, I'm glad the Bible's helping you. But it's like, at what point do they realize you can't just, oh, I'm, I'm having a rough time, find a verse and go, oh, it made me feel better. If it makes you feel better, but it's based on something that's not an accurate understanding, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it's a good thing temporarily because they feel better, but it's a bad thing because it's feeling better based off something that's not accurate. I would never tell someone not to read their Bible. 
right? I would never tell someone not to read the Bible. And I do believe reading the Bible is a good thing, especially for one's spiritual health. And obviously, no matter what you're going through, we need to constantly be maintaining our spiritual health. So, so there is still benefits from it. I just don't know if that's going to make it immediately work and fix everything. And sometimes, especially if you're going through a serious mental health issue, sometimes the last thing you want to do is sit there and read the Bible. Okay, so that's number five. Do I keep going? Let, let, let me look at the next one. Let me look at the next one. Actually, I just may stop there. I may stop there. I want to I keep going, but I also want to break these down into small, tangible things. So let's go through. Let's go back and... I wonder how many times this thing has been shared on Facebook. They have buttons here to share all of these. All right, so let's go back through all of them. According to them, here are the things that you are to do. Pray. And we talked about all of the psychological and spiritual and logical issues prayer brings up. Okay. Number two, journaling. All right. Number three, Lean on your community. And I know I was very negative on that. I know I was very negative on that. You'll have to, you'll have to just give me your own, your own feedback on that one. Number four is eat well. And remember, I added that as don't drink alcohol. And then yes, then changing certain eating habits mainly to mate to help you physically could then have impact on you mentally. Okay. We had no problem with that one. And then number five is read your Bible. So, so as I challenged you to consider community or the church and mental health, I would, I would really like to know, um, all right, someone just said, uh, maybe not reading a specific verse, but looking at the bigger picture may be helpful to someone dealing with mental health issues. Now, I do, I do agree with that. I think, I think if I'm going to point to someone to the Bible, I'm, I, I, now just hear me out. I'm going to see this. I'm going to try to make my argument looking at it from a very practical way, right? Um, I'm going to try to say this in a more, more practical way and see if this makes sense. If someone is struggling with a mental health issue, whatever it may be, now, now this doesn't work for every mental illness, obviously, doesn't work for every mental health issue because you got to take each situation individually. You got to understand the person. You got to understand the context. And, and of course, you need to rely sometimes on, on, you know, professionals. But in a, in general, I'm just saying this in general. If you are having some serious issues, and someone can get you involved in an in-depth, serious study of Scripture. Not, now listen, this is not going to Scripture to find a passage to study that may relate directly to your mental health struggle. But just going to the Scripture itself and getting into a, a practice, maybe it's doing a chapter summary method, using one of the Bible study methods, you're, you know, you've got a journal, you're, you're looking up reference tools, and you're digging in. Here's, I, I see this from a, the practical benefit of this. For that moment, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever you're doing of in-depth study, you're, you're no longer focused on yourself. You're no longer preoccupied with your struggle, with your problem. You're focused on a different time period, different, you know, a different culture. 
a different everything. And you're trying to figure out what it is saying. In other words, you are completely taking off the focus of your struggle and your problem. And so for that 40, 45 minutes, not only does it serve as a good distraction to get you from looking inwardly, but now you're looking to scripture. You're focusing on historical context, language, you're, you know, all of these things. So it, 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 I, I see that would be the benefit. Not like, oh, we need to go study a passage on on depression or discouragement. No, we just need to go, okay, what are we going to study today? What, like, uh, let me see here. What do I have here next to me? Give me one second. I'm going to lean down. All right. I got a bunch of my feature Bible study guide. So I'm just going to open this up. Closing my eyes. Stop. All right. So what do I have here? What do I have here? Um, Galatians 5. There we go. Galatians 5. All right. That's just the first on the first page. So then I could say, okay, today we're going to work on Galatians 5. And then for 45 minutes or an hour, you're working on Galatians 5, right? You're, you're, you're forgetting everything else. Now, it would require self-discipline and it may be difficult to focus. But if you could get someone to do that, you could see the long-term benefits there, right? Because you're just not trying to just randomly read words and you're, now you're going to really dig in. And you're going to go, you know, so let me, let me, you know, I'm flipping over really quick to Galatians chapter five. So immediately I could be like, okay, wait, so stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made, made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Stop right here. So Galatians five. Okay. What's the bondage that they're struggling with here? What are they referring to? I don't immediately rip it out of context. Oh, this is the bondage of depression or discouragement. No. What bondage is being talked about in the book of Galatians? What is Paul trying to help them with? See, now they're focused on the Galatians. They're focused on Paul. They're focused on the historical context, but they may have to do a little bit of book background. And for the next 45 minutes or hour, they're not even focused at all on their problems and their issue. I see that as beneficial. I do see that as beneficial. Just from a practical level. And if, if, if depending on the kind of student they are, sometimes once you're done with that 45 minutes, for the next three, four hours, you may just still be thinking about, well, I wonder this. I wonder, okay, I wonder this. Okay, the word bondage, like you, you still will be possibly processing it. So it may give you hours of relief from the problem. Not saying it's going to make it go away, but it may be a very uh, helpful temporary coping, uh, a coping mechanism to help you move forward. So there I could see possible, possible benefits from it. Now, if you say read the Bible just to say you're going to take on a a chronological reading plan, you're going to use some reading plan, right? Okay, now I I, I got no problem with that because the same thing could happen, right? In other words, I'm not going to try to tell people to go find the Bible and find things that only just makes them focus more and more on their issue and more and more on their problem and just trying to find verses that may or may not help. But if you're reading it, just I'm just going to read it so that my mind is not focused on me. My mind is focused on scripture. And then if I engage in a study, then reading the Bible could be beneficial. But typically it's like, hey, you're struggling. You need to find, here's, here's a, you know, a little pamphlet, 30 verses on, on depression. And then you go read those 30 verses and supposedly magically you feel better. That is what I would be opposed to. I'm glad the listener brought this up because this, that, this would be more beneficial. So reading or study could both be beneficial if you just read like, 
okay, I'm going through this horrible time. I'm struggling with my mental health. I'm just going to start reading the Bible. Now, for that moment, you're not focused on your problems or your difficulties. You're not looking for scripture that relate. You're just reading wherever you are in your reading plan. Or you just like, I'm going to study. Well, I'm just going to find a random passage and then go look at the chapter. And then I may do a book background and, and then I may do a word study and I may do a topical study. I may do a thematic. I may do a chapter summary. I may do a chapter analysis, whatever, all of the, I may do a biographical, like whatever, whatever method you decide to do, that would be beneficial. Now, it's hard to do, though. That's the problem. It requires much discipline, and sometimes you need someone to help you out. Because the last thing sometimes you want to do is sit down and do a 45 minutes or an hour of Bible study because you're so discouraged or depressed or struggling with your mental health issues. So if we can look at it that way. All right, yeah, someone said, uh, right, that's what I was thinking, not fixing the problem necessarily, yes. So I, th- I, think, that, I think that would be, I think that would be, I think that would be good. I think that would be good. I think that would be good. All right. I want to say more, but now (laughs) my mind, the way my mind works, because now I'm like, Galatians 5. So let me go read that again. My mind is sitting here thinking now, like I've already forgotten about mental health. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, Galatians 5, that is... That is interesting. Like, you know, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Okay, what kind of liberty did he give us? Is that a positional liberty? I don't think it's a practical liberty, right? Okay, so then, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What what bondage? Okay, that's the law, right? Is that the law that's referring to? And so, yeah, now my mind wants to go figure out Galatians chapter 5. But see, that would be the benefit for me if I was going through a difficult situation. I could just forget everything. I could just forget everything. Now, it doesn't last forever, but you can see the benefit. So that, that would be a, a, a tangible one. And it would be beneficial for you spiritually. But you got to be very careful with that, though, right? In other words, you can't. When you're trying to help someone with struggle with mental health or mental illness, you don't. What, what we always have a tendency to do is try to find the scripture that we think relates to that kind of problem and say, go study this because we see it as it's going to fix the problem. That's the thing Christianity has to stop doing. No, no, no. Hey, you know, I know you're preoccupied. I know you're bothered. I know you're consumed with this problem, with this difficulty, with this situation. And, and I understand right now, it may not be the time, but maybe soon, you know, we could, I can help you and we can just spend some time reading or studying a scripture, not about this, not about the problem, just a general so that one, you're helping yourself spiritually. And two, you can, uh, you know, get your mind off the situation for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever the case may be. And you don't, and you don't approach it like, Hey, if you'll do this, it's going to fix all your problems. If the, if you do this, you're going to feel better. If you don't say that. But I think what we want to do is, because I've, I've seen Christian parents do that. My kid's really struggling right now with this or that. So what chapter should I give them to read? Or what verses should I give them? And it's like, oh, man. First of all, it's mental health. So they don't need verses. They need mental health care, right? Okay. <laughs> Second, um, you're just you're just getting more focus on the, like, in other words, you're not helping them get away from the issue. You're just leading them more into the issue. 
I'll never forget. And I don't remember the, I'll never forget the basic elements of it. I don't remember all the details. So when I say I'll never forget, I can't like, I, I don't want you to think I mean every single detail, but I, I, so everyone knows I try to kill myself, psychiatric hospital, what, eight weeks. And I, we were in some group session or or not, I'm sorry, not a group. Okay. that, That makes you think we're all sitting around together. We did group sessions and we did our private sessions, but we had classes. We had classes. Uh, dealing with, you know, we no So this is what happened in the psychiatric hospital for those who've never been in. All right. So when I first got there, I was, I mean, I don't even know the correct terminology, but let's just say I sat in a chair in the middle of my room and I basically sat there for like 48 hours and I would not speak to anyone. All right. So I was off to a really good, healthy start, wasn't I? Right. Okay. And I, I wouldn't speak. Finally, you know, I, you know, I started you know, a little bit coming out of it and trying to talk to, you know, not trying to talk to the people, but trying to talk uh, to the nurses or whoever the people were trying to help me, you know, my counselors, all the different people assigned to my case at that situation. All right. So it was, it was a slow time. Well, I I don't know if it was day three, day four, I don't remember. Uh, Then they finally like, you know, Hey, enough's enough. You got to get out of the classroom. You got to get down. You got to go to class. So you go to class and then they give you all these books, right? So you get books, you get a binder, you get a journal, and you're going to be given assignments each day. So they're going to establish routine, right? You got to wake up at this time, do this, do this, do this. At this hour, you'll be doing this. There was a little physical a- activities thrown in. There were other activities thrown in. So, so they really now, everything's going to be well-regulated to get you into a schedule, to get you you know, out of your mind. So you're doing all of these things, but they give you these books and you get, go to class and you do all of this. And so therefore, when you come out of class, there's time you got to read and you got to do the assignments or you have to journal, whatever. So you can see like why they're structuring it this way to get you out of your mind to get focus on these other things. And I don't know how it came up. I will never remember, but something came up about religion or or Christianity, because it you know, wasn't like a Christian psychiatric, psychiatric hospital. Um, obviously, there were some Christians who worked there, but I, one of the counselors or something, and I don't remember what chapter it was. I don't remember what it was, but something mentioned the Bible, and I'll never forget, like, I was like, oh, because I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to my room and I'm going to do the chapter summary method. So I'm sitting there running chapter summary methods on, on these chapters. Not that it was necessarily a, an assignment, but it, it got, and I, I'll never forget, like by the time that night was over, I'm not saying I felt like, Ooh, I'm fixed. I knew I wasn't fixed, but it felt good for a couple of hours that I wasn't worried about my mom was dead and my life and my situation. And I tried to kill myself and what was going to happen here and what was going to happen here and what was gonna, like for a little bit, I was just trying to figure out, you know, okay, who are the chief characters? What are the, what are the, what are the chief words? You know, what, what, you know, what's the outline? Like I'm sitting there running the basic steps of a chapter summary method. So I'll never forget that. I'm not saying it like changed everything, but for those few hours, it's like there was a sense of, oh, wow. I'm not focused on anything else because a lot of the books they gave you, obviously for class, dealt with mental health issues, right? They were, were they were mental health. They were mental health related, right? Journaling was about your mental health issues. This was me now studying something that had nothing to do with mental health. It was just me trying to figure out the steps of, you know, what were the key words, the key ver- you know, the uh, key people, you know, outline all of these basic things of a chapter summary method, and it felt good. 
to just be away from all of those other issues for a couple of hours. That is where I do see the benefit coming in to play there, if that makes sense. All right. Slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. It, it feels funny, and I'll end with this. Bec- between my lack of sleep, neurological seizure kind of situations going on, um, all the stress and drama from everything that's happened, feeling broken and hurt for the people who are suffering, you just mix it all together. It's not been a great, it's, it's, I mean, this is going on week number two. It's really not been a great two weeks in a lot of ways. And, and, and you know, you, if you listen to some of the podcast episodes where I've talked about some of this. So it feels kind of funny to be trying to talk about mental health issues uh, because, um, because clearly I'm not an expert on it, right? Clearly I have my own struggles. I have my own ups and downs. So hopefully I'm, I'm trying to approach it in a way that, It's not like, hey, I've got it figured out, but like here, here's just kind of the reality. So, and and maybe, maybe, maybe ultimately this series is not for anybody else. Maybe it's for my own self to go, okay, so what can I do to help myself in this current situation? Now they haven't mentioned sleep yet. I know obviously currently I'm, as much as I hate sleep and everyone knows I hate sleep, you know, <laughs> I definitely need it, but ah, you know, I'm not going to admit that right now. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, here's what I want you to know. If you're struggling with any mental health issues, mental illness, please seek help, right? Professional help. Remember you're complete in Christ. You're perfect in Christ. Cling to that. Don't look to your life. Look to Christ. Obviously I want to be able to help anyone I can, however I may can. So you can always email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. And obviously, if you know other people struggling or suffering, we've got to do what we can to try to assist and help them to, to, our, to get to the – Get the resources and the help they need. Sometimes we can't be the one to help them, but we can try to get them to the help that they need. The church has failed, I think, in this area in so many ways. And I think it's contributed to more trauma than healing. I know a lot of people will disagree with me, but I just really, I really strongly believe that. So, all right, we'll stop for that for now. I'm hoping... So when I started this, I'm like, ah, I think I, I think I, I got it, I got it, and then I get into it, and I'm like, I'm not no not not so sure I should be broadcasting today. But you know what? We'll see. It's Wednesday. I need to be doing a lot. But we'll, we we will get there. We will we will get back to normal at some point. All right. News if at yahoo.com. Everyone have a wonderful wonderful Wednesday. May God bless you. Thanks for listening. We will talk again. I, I want to say this evening, we will see if I can do another one this evening. If not, hopefully tomorrow, hopefully Thursday, May the 18th. This is what I'm hoping. Thursday, May the 18th. I hope that I can be like, yes, I'm back, everyone. I'm hoping, I'm hoping I can do that. We will see. All right. In the meantime, God bless.